0: You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is org. Now for this week's message. Easter Bunny was late, so you've joined us. Um, what an honor it is to have you uh, join us on the, the most special day of the year. Uh, if you're new to us, my name's Dan Tony. I'm the, the senior minister at Fur Road Christian Church. You know, I heard a story this week about a man who was driving down the highway and he hit a rabbit. He pulled over and discovered a basket of eggs and candy sc- scattered all around, and several yards a- away was the crumpled body of a large rabbit wearing a blue pastel coat. The man felt really terrible. He had killed the Easter bunny. Just then a woman came along and saw the man sobbing on the side of the road and pulled over. What's wrong, she asked. (laughs) I've killed the Easter bunny, he cried, pointing to the dead rabbit. The woman ran back to her car and returned with a spray can that she sprayed all over the lifeless rabbit. The Easter bunny suddenly sprang back to life, waved its paw at the two of them, and and hopped down the road. Ten feet away, he turned and, and waved again and hopped another ten feet and and waved, and he repeated this until he hopped out of sight. The man was astonished. What, what is in that can? What did you spray on the Easter bunny to, to bring him back alive? The woman turned the can around so that the, the man could read the label. It said, hairspray restores life to dead hair and adds permanent wave. I'm sorry. That, that's really bad. I, I agree. We're here today not to celebrate an Easter bunny that came back to life. That's just a made-up story. We are here to celebrate a Savior who rose from the dead, a Savior who is alive still today. This is Resurrection Sunday, and Christians all over the world are celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. This is the biggie. If the resurrection didn't happen, can you imagine how different the last 2,000 years would have been? History would be so different because Jesus totally changed the world, one person at a time. He gave the world hope. And as Christianity continues to get bashed by more and more people in our country, I stand before you today with more confidence than ever that Jesus Christ came to this earth in a miraculous way, lived an amazing life, a a sinless life, and then died for every one of us on a cross as a substitution for our sins, but then rose from the dead three days later. And it's because of that resurrection that I stand before you today so thankful and excited that I get to talk about a resurrected Savior. It just blows me away. Guys, think about things that, that are really amazing to you. Things like an, an awesome sunrise or, or a sunset or, or a newborn baby that is just so incredible with all of its, the intricacies of the, the human body or think about, a, you know, just a beautiful setting out in nature, an amazing waterfall or, you know, something like the Grand Canyon. And all of those things come as the result of an amazing God. But God outdid himself when he came to this earth. And out of his love for us, he died for us so that we would have the chance to live for eternity. And so today we celebrate and say, thank you, God. We, we don't deserve what you've done for us, but we say thank you. If you haven't been with us for a while or you're new to us, we have, we've been working our way through the book of Mark in a series called Urgent, and the idea is that we urgently need to get to know Jesus better, and the book of Mark is presented in a very urgent way, and so we jumped ahead in Mark for the last three weeks to lead up today. Uh, when we left off last week in Mark 15, it was over. Okay, Jesus was dead. And to be honest, the, the followers of Jesus weren't sitting around in anticipation of the resurrection. Okay, nobody was saying, hey, just wait. Don't worry, he's coming back. In the minds of the followers of Jesus, it was over. This was it. They were asking the question, you know, what do we do now? You know, maybe we just go back to fishing or, or whatever their occupations were. And in fact, let me go to the book of John to read a couple verses to start with here. In John 20. Verse 19 and 20, it says on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood, stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Does it look like they were just waiting in anticipation of Jesus? No, not, not at all. They were hiding in fear that, that something would happen to them as well because they were followers of Jesus. They were scared. And, and then Jesus appeared to them, and it changed everything. Okay, Their demeanor immediately changed, and, and now they were overjoyed, it says, when they saw the Lord. I, I would love to see the looks on their faces when they realized who this was. Uh, so like I said, our, our focus right now is on the book of Mark, Um, And today it's how Mark portrayed the resurrection. And so let's go ahead and and read Mark 16, uh, 1 through 8. This is the the last chapter of Mark. This is our main scripture of the day, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let me start by just stating the obvious here. Um, Mark is claiming that the resurrection did indeed happen. Okay, Jesus was fully dead, and now he's fully alive. He doesn't give us a bunch of details. That that wasn't Mark's style. He wants us to know the, the facts in a, a no-nonsense kind of way and in the first week that we started looking at Mark, I talked about the idea that, that, that we believe that, that Mark's key person uh, for a lot of his information that he gathered as he wrote the book of Mark was the Apostle Peter. Of course, God was his guide, his inspiration in writing the book, but Peter was right there helping him tell the story. So keep that in mind, and, and these, these eight verses are huge. Kay? Something that stands out, first of all, in this passage was the role of women in this story, and, and really in the life of Jesus in general. Some of the closest followers of Jesus were women. And, and Jesus always treated women differently than the society that they were in treated them. He always treated them with dignity and respect and love. And, and three of these followers were planning to, to go properly prepare his body. They wait until after the Sabbath because of the Jewish rules and regulations. And, and these three women get to be the first ones who are told that Jesus is alive. I think that's be an honor when they look back on it. And, and they were on their way to the tomb uh, with the burial spices, but in, in their sadness and in the emotion of, of the situation, they forgot to, f- to think about how they were even going to do this because there was this huge stone in front of the tomb. You know, remember last week we talked about how Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Jesus and put him in his his own freshly cut tomb. Nobody else had been buried in it yet. And so he bravely gave Jesus an honorable burial, greatly risking his own status and, and, and reputation. But then they rolled a large heavy stone in front of the grave, and it would have taken several strong people uh, to be able to remove it. And so the ladies are on the, their way to the tomb and, and realize that, hey, there's no way that we're going to be able to do this ourselves. It's just too big. That They're talking about this dilemma, and as they they walk to the tomb, um, they get there, and they see that the stone is already rolled away. They can't believe it. And and so they go into the tomb, I'm sure very cautiously, because they don't know what's going on. Did did somebody steal the body? Um, Did they move the body? And the announcement comes from a, a man in the tomb dressed in a white robe, and he says, he is risen. Okay, he's no longer there. It was an angel, and the angel says, hey, look, this is the place where he, he was, where he's supposed to be, and he isn't here because he's alive. So I want you to go and, and tell the disciples and Peter about the, what you've seen. Um, and, and he specifically mentions Peter here. Go to tell the disciples and Peter. You know, I think this is an interesting detail because Peter was one of the disciples. Okay, he'd been a part of that group, but he's also the one who you remember specifically denied knowing Jesus three times um, on the night he was arrested. And, And I think God knew that Peter was going to be a great, great leader in the church. And the angel says, hey, make sure that Peter knows about this. But it says that they were scared. And, and they fled from the tomb because they were afraid. And, and they didn't at least immediately go tell the disciples. Now, if you look in the book of Matthew, we do see that they did go to tell the disciples. So eventually they decided they needed to tell someone. So I think it was a brief time that they fled and, and were scared. But I think Mark shared their initial response because he's wanting the readers to think about their response to the risen Savior as well. I think Mark does this on purpose. But Mark has a very interesting ending in a lot of your bibles there's a little note after verse 8 that says the the earliest manuscripts and some other early witnesses do not have mark 16 9 through 20 okay so there there was an ending added to mark at, at some point and there's a whole lot of speculation about what happened um, some people believe that you know that that was just part of the book it just was th- some of them the um, translations don't have it. Some people believe that the rest of the chapter somehow got lost in translation. Some think Mark wasn't able to finish the book for some reason, such as he died, and they think this is think they think this because it doesn't seem like the book should end the way it did in verse eight. Um, it doesn't kind of wrap things up in a, a neat and tidy way. It isn't how we think the book should end. Uh, we think there should be some kind of conclusion. In fact, verse eight ends with the Greek word gar. Uh, which is the word for four? F F-O-R, F-O-R and, and they say, well, you can't end a book with the, the word for. You know, for what? You know, don't just leave us hanging like that. But I've come to believe that Mark did want to end the book the way he did. He, you see, here's the thing. Just because you aren't comfortable with, with, with how he ended it doesn't mean that it didn't happen that way. And, and actually, several times in the book of Mark, he ended a section with a word like for. You know, it was kind of a literary style. I think Mark wants us to think and ponder. And the Greek scholars say that the next section, verses 19 through 20, uh, are in a totally different writing style. And it has 17 words that aren't used anywhere else in the book of Mark. And so it just doesn't seem to fit what Mark is trying to do. God could have inspired some later writers to complete this book if he wanted to. And it doesn't mean that the, the rest of the book isn't true. Um, but I believe that Mark's part of the book stopped at verse 8. And that, that's where we're going to stop today as well. But I think the original intention was for it to stop there. So here's the thing. There are a whole lot of different descriptions of Jesus in the book of Mark. Some good and some bad. Okay? He, he was described as a miracle worker. He was described as a, a, a great healer. He was described as a, a, a great teacher. The, the Jewish religious leaders described him as, as a fraud. Uh, they said he was blasphemous but now an angel describes him as risen okay we often describe it today by saying that jesus was victorious over death jesus was victorious in, in the ba- the biggest battle in history it was a spiritual battle in which god won and satan lost monday night there will be a new national champion crowned in men's college basketball and it is maybe even a little extra special this year because last year's tournament had to be canceled uh, because of COVID, and one of the traditions uh, is that after the game they play a song called "One Shining Moment," and, and they they show highlights of, of the whole tournament and and then highlights of the final game and then and then they show the the, the team celebrating and the confetti coming down and it's just a huge celebration, and, and for you know those players and, and those fans, you know they've reached the pinnacle. It's an awesome thing. But when you stop and think about it, it's actually a pretty short-lived moment, okay? They will always have that memory. But by next year, most people won't be able to remember who won the championship this year. Hey, last year, COVID was kind of the champion, but, but how many of you remember that the year before, Virginia defeated Texas Tech in the championship game? Hey, probably not too many of you. But Jesus won a different kind of victory, a, a victory that will last forever, not just here on this earth, but for all eternity. We see in the book of Mark that Jesus is so many things, but now we can say that he is victorious. Mark told us that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, Clear back in Mark 1, 1, 1, 1. He told us that, that Jesus is the Messiah. He told us what kind of Messiah he is. He told us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many And then he told us he was killed, but now he tells us that he was victorious. He's alive, and that is huge. You know, Paul says this about Christ's victory in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, death did not have a hold on Jesus. Jesus was victorious over death, and now we can be victorious as well. Now, once we have this information, we have to decide what we're going to do with it. And and I think Mark left us hanging because he wants us to think about it and ponder, you know, what are we going to do about Christ's victory? You know, beginning when Jesus was arrested, the disciples weren't doing so well. They all deserted him. Peter denied that he even knew him. The ladies going to the tomb had an initial reaction of fear. They were scared to tell anybody about it. His closest followers didn't start off very well, did they? You know, I've been there many times in my life also where I just didn't respond very well to Jesus. But my goal for a long time now has been to, to do my part to help the world know about the victory of Jesus You know, I'm pretty competitive, and and I like to be on the winning side. I think most of us do. Jesus won, and people need to know it. Now, there's something in the book of Mark that has come to be known as the the Messianic secret. And and we will look more at this when we go back to the beginning of Mark in the the next couple months. (coughs) For now, uh, let's just ask, what is the Messianic secret? You might remember that Jesus often told people not to tell other people about who he was or what he had done. He would perform a miracle and and tell the person not to tell anybody about it. And and sometimes he even told his disciples not to say who he was. For example, in in chapter 8, there's a whole discussion about who Jesus was. And some said he was John the Baptist. Some said he was Elijah. And some said he was one of the prophets. But Peter said, hey, we think you're the Messiah. And Jesus at that time said, you know, don't tell anybody about that. What? It seems crazy, doesn't it? And I think there's a little bit of a mystery as to why Jesus said that. And that's kind of why they call it the messianic secret. But I think one of the reasons that Jesus told the disciples not to tell anyone yet is that even though they believed that he was the Messiah, they didn't really comprehend what that meant yet. It would come in time. He wasn't the kind of Messiah that they had in mind. and, And they wouldn't completely wrap their minds around that until after the resurrection. And one of the reasons that he didn't want the people he performed mirac- miracles on to tell who he was is that he knew that they were just drawn to him because of the miracles, okay, not because they understood that he was the Messiah. A- and he, to be honest, they, they usually didn't listen to him, at least the, the people he performed miracles on. They would tell everyone about it because they were so excited. Uh, and it's kind of interesting that the disciples seemed to listen better to Jesus about keeping a secret of who he was than the people who were healed and really didn't know Jesus as well. It's kind of a side note. It's kind of interesting. But, but in Mark 16, it all comes together. The disciples would, would see firsthand the rest of the story, would, would finally start to, to begin to comprehend what Jesus was talking about all this time. However, even when they started to comprehend, they would still have to decide what they were going to do with that information. Okay, what are they going to do with the rest of the story? Here's the awesome thing. We know from the rest of the Bible and from history that the resurrection did in fact change the disciples. At a certain point, they received the Holy Spirit and, and it was game on. They, they turned from cowardly to bold, from fearful to brave, from being timid to, to being strong. They finally got it and it changed them. And I can relate so much to the disciples because I think I'm often a very slow learner as well. But they finally started to get it, and they wanted others to get it as well. They started telling people about Jesus. And and Peter was a huge leader in the early church. Just read through the early part of the book of Acts, and, and you will be amazed at the things that God does through Peter. The same guy who swore that he didn't know Jesus after he was arrested. So I believe that Mark chose to leave the book open-ended so that we would think about how we're going to respond to the risen Savior. The The first response of the ladies was to run, okay? They were scared. The first response of the disciples was to hide because they were scared. And, and so I want to take a, a couple minutes here this morning as we celebrate the resurrection to talk about how you're going to respond to Jesus this year. You know, there are a lot of options, okay? Okay. Uh, are you going to run and be scared? Are you going to be apathetic? or Are you going to worry about what others think? Or are you going to, to do your best to truly follow the risen Savior? I want to challenge you with a couple things to think about. First of all, I want to challenge you to, to get to know the real Jesus better this year. Okay, this, the disciples spent around three years directly with Jesus and they still struggle to, to fully know and understand him. And so getting to know Jesus isn't something that just happens overnight. And, and it really isn't something that somebody else can do for you. They can help, but there's some of it you have to do yourself. Don't get me wrong. You don't need to have a, a, a Bible college degree to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. Okay, there are some basic things that you need to know and understand. But to truly know and understand the Jesus of the Bible in a deep way, I think, is a lifetime pursuit. And so let me ask you, are you pursuing Jesus? Are you striving to know him in a deeper and better way? Are you trying to get to know the real Jesus? I would love for every single one of us to be able to say at the end of 2021 that we know Jesus in a much deeper and better way than we do right now. And let me let, me let you in on a little secret here. It doesn't just happen... By going to church. okay, It takes digging into his word. It takes spending time with him. Listening and praying. It takes being around other Christians. It takes a, a commitment of living out your faith on a daily basis. It, it takes work. Plain and simple. We want convenience and, and easy. That's the way we're wired. That's the way our, our culture is wired. But getting to know the real Jesus takes time and effort. But it, it is completely worth it. But as you as you get to know Jesus in a deeper way, you still have to decide how Jesus is going to impact your life. Okay, there's kind of the knowing and doing side of this. And that's the next thing I want you to think about. What are you going to do with this knowledge? Are you going to to know and understand as you're you're getting to know and understand Jesus better? You are going to realize like the disciples realize that your life will probably need to change a little bit. But I also think as you get to know him better, you'll realize that that serving Jesus is not a burden. It's a blessing. You start looking for ways to spread the love of Jesus to a hurting world around you because you know and understand better what he has done for you and you want others to experience that as well. And it becomes urgent, just like the book of Mark is urgent. It is urgent that the world around us knows about Jesus. You know, the the book of Mark is a a fascinating book, I think. It it tells the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's not a simple or easy story, but it's a story of love. The love that God has for each of us. And and I believe that through his love, he wants to write a fascinating story with each of our lives. He doesn't promise a, a perfect, smooth journey. In fact, it won't be. We're, we're told that. But let's take time to get to know Jesus better this year, the Jesus of the Bible. And as we get to know him better, I believe he will have a huge impact on how we will, we will live our lives. Look, there's, there's a lot of different responses to the resurrected Jesus. We can reject him. Okay? Many people do. They say, you know, I don't think that's ha- that happened, all that. It's just kind of a good story. It's a fairy tale. Okay, that's an option. Uh, We can ignore him, okay? A lot of people know about Jesus, but they just don't really do anything about it. Jesus doesn't really change their lives in any way. You know, it's okay for those who want to believe it or want to, you know, do those things. It's not for me. Okay, so that's an option. Or we can follow him. And when we follow Jesus, I mean truly follow Jesus, he will change our lives. Our our priorities will change. Our outlook of life will change. And and I believe you begin to see change, you'll you'll begin to see change in others as well. Dr. Joseph Hartonian, a a former professor at McCormick Theological Seminary, came to America from Armenia. And one day a well-meaning friend said to him, you know, your, your name is difficult to pronounce and, and difficult to spell. It, it could really it could hurt your professional career. Why don't you change your name to, to Harwood or Harwell or something like that? And Dr. Houghtonian asked, well, What do those names mean? His friend said, Well, nothing. They're just easier to remember. Dr. Houghtonian said, In Armenia, when my grandfather was baptized, they named him Hartonian, which means resurrection. I am Joseph Hartonian, and I will be a son of resurrection all my days. Friends, when we give our our lives to Christ and we're baptized into him, we are also sons and daughters of resurrection. And when you are a son or daughter of resurrection, you are changed. You are resurrected as well. And what a beautiful and amazing thing that is. But something else happens. When you are a fully committed follower of Jesus, you begin to care about those who are not yet sons and daughters of resurrection. You get beyond yourself and your selfish desires. Some of you may remember the the movie The Guardian. It is a movie about rescue divers. And Kevin Costner plays Ben Randall, and, and he's the legend. Okay, No one's ever rescued more people than this man. No one, ever. There's a young punk kid coming up wanting to beat the record. And at the end of the movie, the, the young kid says, Ben, what's your number? How many did you rescue? What's your number? And Ben says, my, my number's 22. And the kid's like, 22? We, we, we thought it'd be 200 or 300. 22 Twenty-two's your number? And through tears, Ben Randall looked back and said, yeah, 22. 22 is the number of people that I lost. That's the only number that I ever kept track of. Friends, Jesus died so that we may live. He died to rescue us. He died for you, and he died for me, and he died for everyone else that, that would, would ever say yes to following him. That's why we celebrate the resurrection, because God said yes to life, and that, my friends, is worth celebrating. Let's pray. Wow, Father, we we come before you on this day, set aside, uh, just to remember uh, this thing that that we call the resurrection. And it's, it's an incredible thing. It changed everything. It changed history. Uh, But, Lord, I I pray that it will also change each of us and that we will live lives of resurrection, of following the Savior. I pray that this year, at the end of the year, we'll be able to look back and see how much closer we are to you. And and I pray that you'll, you'll use each of us in a unique and special way to spread the message about our Savior. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So thanks again for joining us on Easter Sunday. Uh, don't be afraid to contact me if you'd like more information about making Jesus your Savior or, or if you just want to talk. Uh, never forget just how much Jesus loves you. I want to encourage you to join us again next week. We're going to take a short two-week break from the book of Mark to have a little series called Four, For, and uh, we're going to take a look at some of the things that the church and, and Christianity stand for. Uh, so often today we seem to be known for the things that we are against. Uh, I think we should be known more for the things that we are for. And, and so more than the things that we're against. So it's going to be fun. I hope you can join us for that. So celebrate Jesus well today and, and every day. And have a great ble- week and, and God bless.